Welcome to Watershed's May podcast. My name is Tara Judah and I'm the cinema producer here at Watershed. And actually I'm not joined this month by Mark Cosgrove, our cinema curator, because he's unwell. So I've got a special guest today and I'm being joined by Tai Singh, who is the campaigns manager for Film Hub Southwest. Welcome, Tai. Thanks for having me. This month we're going to talk about a few films that are upcoming, but specifically one film that has sparked a lot of conversation uh, for all of us who've had the chance to see it early. And it's a new film by Claire Denis called High Life. It's a science fiction film, stars Robert Patterson and Mia Goth and Juliette Binoche. So it's got a very big all-star cast. It's Claire Denis' first English language film, so she usually makes films in the French language. Uh, for anyone not familiar with Claire Denis, her back catalogue of films include Let the Sunshine In was the most recent one, White Material, uh, which had Isabelle Huppert in the starring role, 35 Shots of Rum, Beau Travail, her most famous film, uh, which we talked about and also showed recently here at Watershed as part of our Sunday brunches looking at the work of Barry Jenkins um, and Bastards. So she's uh, very much a kind of in that tradition of European art house cinema and this is quite a move, I think, for her to make a really big budget, all-star cast, English language, science fiction film. And so it may not be exactly what you expect of sci-fi. What did you make of it, Ty? I saw High Life a few weeks ago. And yeah, it's very much in the vein of the cerebral sci-fi going in. It's not your traditional sci-fi film. It has a lot to say about the human condition in space. And I'm not familiar with Claire Denis' uh, other works as much as you are. But I feel in High Life, the, the eroticism of the human nature is very much a driving force in High Life, which I was surprised at. Yeah, so I've seen this film twice now. It's worth saying that I'm still a little bit confused by it and desperate to see it a third time. So it focuses on Robert Patterson's character, Monty, and his daughter, and they're stuck in outer space, kind of hurtling towards this black hole. And then we get a little bit of kind of the, the rest of the story told through flashback. And it's very unusual in that the people aboard this ship that are going towards this black hole are actually all incarcerated. Um, so they've committed crimes on Earth. And as part of their penance, what they've elected to do is to serve out that time on a mission into space to find new resources to go to this black hole. There is a doctor aboard, which is Juliette Binoche's character, Dibs, and she is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting concept, one that if you think about it too hard doesn't make that much sense, but that's not really what the film is about, it's how all these characters interact and especially the role of Juliet Binoche's uh, doctor, but it's uh yeah, it's a fascinating film. I it goes in places that I'm almost guaranteed you're not expecting it to. But like you said, it's a it's a great cast. Robert Pattinson continues to make very interesting career decisions, so he's not forever typecast as that guy from Twilight and Andre 3000 rocks up for a bit <laughs> doesn't rock out but he rocks up um, but yeah it's uh, yeah there, there's a there's a lot going on in this film yeah so one of the things that it explores is this idea of the kind of human condition and isolation and what it's like for humans to be displaced or to be incarcerated those sorts of ideas of what happens when you separate people 
from the context of the earth. And I think actually there's a long tradition of this in science fiction. And so we're also focusing our brunch, Sunday brunch screenings for May on science fiction, uh, calling it Lost in Space. And very much starting with that concept from Alien that goes back to in space, no one can hear you scream. Um, so we, we, we're kind of looking at this idea of what is what happens to humanity when you sort of, <laughs> as Claire Denis is doing in this film, hurdle it into the darkest recesses of space uh, and completely remove it from its context. And all of the things that we understand by that, the kind of things about community, um, what happens to those dynamics when people are put into situations that are extremely tense uh, with other people and how do they behave. Uh, there's also, you know, some sort of quite dark experimentation going on in the film, but we won't go too deep into that because it's better if you wait until you see the film to discover it. But uh, the films we're doing for the brunches are 2001 A Space Odyssey, Tarkovsky's Solaris, Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin and Alien. Um, so maybe we should talk a little bit about the kind of influences of those films um, and, you know, what is it about those science fiction films that have an enduring legacy? I think... I mean, that, that is a broad question. There's so many reasons why these films have endured for so long. I mean, starting with 2001, Kubrick's you know, design aesthetic, just the set of the Odyssey with its rotating gravitational wheel and everything from the music to the design to just the story to the infamous special effects at the end. There is a reason this film has endured for so long, and I think the film celebrated its... 50th anniversary last year but with these sci-fi films it's always about the design aesthetic take alien it couldn't be more different from 2001 instead of you know the best of the best or people with the right stuff going into space these are literally you know as ridley scott famously said space truckers they're just space truckers in space their spaceship isn't sleek it's not the enterprise they're all smoking and drinking beer while on the job and I think that's another reason why that film has endured so long, not just the pant-filling dread and terror of the alien, but that aesthetic of worn-down machinery. It's just like any other job. It just so happens to be in space. And Solaris, very much in the, in the vein of Claire Denis' high life, it's all about the human condition in space. Like, as you said, when you're detached from human society and you're just on your own and you're dealing with in the case of Solaris you know grief but mm. whereas Solaris has you know professional astronauts high life has like she says criminals convicts the worst of humanity in many ways so yeah there there, there is a lot going on in all these films but they're so uh, enduring for so many reasons yeah I think they also um, tap into that concept of what happens to desire in these isolated spaces, especially with Tarkovsky's Solaris, um, and that's something that definitely High Life picks up on, and I think is potentially an influence for Claire Denis, is this idea of what do you do with those extreme human emotions like grief um, and trauma, how do you process trauma? So all of the, you know, I would say all of the convicts that are in her film incarcerated in space have all suffered and continue to suffer some sort of personal trauma and how do you deal with those things when you're in confinement you know you can't get out of this space there's no 
that you might be surrounded by infinite space, but actually you can't get fresh air. You can't remove yourself from this place where you are. There's no, there's, there's nowhere to go. And in a way, actually, I think that's really fascinating because the idea of the Earth as being this tiny planet in the vastness of the universe, but actually there's more space on Earth. Mm. There's, there's more space for you to go to. Whereas when you're in this ship and in this incredible expanse, you, you're really confined. Um, and so it's that kind of paradox that the films also explore. But definitely I wanted to pick up on the sound design because I think that 2001 sound design is really incredible. And one of the reasons why you have to see this film in a cinema is for the nuance in the sound design. What you hear in the breath um, and how Kubrick kind of uses that device juxtaposed with silence, with the, you know, with the technology, with the, you know, with the, also the music in the film. I think Claire Denis does that as well in High Life, and she has the score for this film by Stuart Staples, Tindersticks, and there is there's this fantastic moment in the film where someone something happens, something quite dramatic, and someone opens their mouth to scream, but instead of a scream coming out, we get this soaring score from Tindersticks, which sounds like a scream, um, and, and then just kind of you know harking back to that idea of alien and in space no one can hear you scream it's almost like this artificial sound it doesn't actually come out of her mouth it just kind of is there resonant uh in the in the score of the film and it, it's very visceral i found yeah it's the same with um you know alien jerry goldsmith scores very understated and it's just building dread and dread and dread throughout and uh, i think that's also reflected in the score of high life like you said it's all about confinement whereas most sci-fi films focus on people that might be able to deal with that stress. Mm -hmm. High Life is dealing with people who are very much not, which almost makes the entire concept of the film an incredibly bad idea. But it, like you said, it, it's examining these people and the pressures they're put under and deals with everything from grief uh, to, you know, desire to, to death. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting watch. So Charles Bramsko from The Guardian, when he wrote about this after it showed in the Toronto Film Festival, uh, said, with an achievement of this caliber, it's hard to resist hyperbole. High Life contains the single greatest one-person sex scene in the history of cinema. I think that's a little taster of what you can expect I, in I, this film. I will agree with that. <laughs> it is. Uh... Um, so along with the ideas of science and technology and exploring erotic desire, uh, there's a lot to unpack in High Life. It's definitely a film that oh, I think so much. That requires it, yeah. multiple viewings. Um, and we're really lucky that we actually also are having our conversation about cinema around High Life this month. So on the 14th of May uh, with the University of West England, we'll be joined by some special guests to talk about some of those themes. So I would highly recommend if you see it maybe for the first or even the second or third time and have questions, which I'm sure you will, uh, that that might be one to come along to because this is a film that, you know, honestly. That oh, you'll have questions. You'll want to definitely ask questions at the end of this film. I had so many questions. A lot of you didn't have the answers for me. <laughs> it's one of those films that's open to interpretation and I think what you bring to the film is what you'll get out of it. Definitely true. And what else are you looking forward to in May, Ty? Well, you know, from the, the reaches of outer space down to planet Earth, there's a great film coming out called Woman at War, which I saw recently, which focuses on a uh, Icelandic woman who's waging a one-woman war against the uh, Iceland's electricity company in order to preserve Iceland's natural beauty and stop pollution. She is becoming a one-woman guerrilla warfare 
think Rambo, but <laughs> with much less violence and more quirky comedy. She is there to, to basically do everything she can to preserve her country and while at the same time balancing her day job of running the local choir and because she is a woman of a certain age, she wants to adopt a child. So she is looking to the future and wants to kind of preserve that as best she can. And she's doing that in the most extreme methods possible, but it's a really lovely quirky film that I think everyone should check out. Yeah, it's pretty funny, isn't it? She's it's uh, really funny. She's an eco-warrior for the ages, I think. Quite an admir admirable woman, but also uh, slightly terrifying in oh, yeah, her you, determination. Oh yeah, you do not want to <laughs> mess with her. She, she, she has game. She does have game. I'm also uh, extremely excited this month for Madeline's Madeline, which is the new film from Josephine Decker. Uh, and actually we had Josephine Decker here a couple of years ago at the watershed for a Q&A around her two earlier films. She had Butter on the Latch and Thou West Mild and Lovely. And this is her third feature to come out, Madeline's Madeline. It showed uh, in, in the Berlinale and then it's kind of traveled since and it's finally coming to UK cinema screens. It's a really fascinating film that really looks at the I guess the process of acting. Um, so there's a young girl played by Helena Howard who is a fantastic breakout star. Honestly, you'll want to see this young woman in everything after you watch this film. Um, and she joins a physical theatre troupe and her workshop leader kind of encourages her to explore the relationship between her mother and herself. And through all of this, Josephine Deck is kind of looking at what are the ethics of acting and the rehearsal process? What are the kind of ethics of storytelling? What are the boundaries of anxiety? And it all gets, uh, I guess, in, almost in a kind of Charlie Kaufman way, a little bit sort of like meta and in on itself. It sort of reminded me in that way of Synecdoche, New York, not that it's quite that extreme, but that it has that sort of uh, internal examination. Um, and it's a really beautiful film, also stars Miranda July. And I'm just thrilled that that's coming out this month. We've also paired it with a short film, so I just wanted to mention that a couple of the titles this month, High Life being one of them, Madeline's Madeline and Vox Lux, new film by Brady Corbet, also all have short films matched with them that will be screening in the cinema. And they come as, they come as part of the Tyneside Artist Commissions called Projections. We have little booklets, so please do ask Front of House if you want to find out more about the short films. Uh, and they, they are artist commissions that are traveling around the country, so they were commissioned by the Tyneside, and we're really lucky to be able to show some of them with our feature films. So do check those out as well and let us know what you think. That's a taster of what we've got coming up in May. There is plenty more that we haven't touched on, so please do go and explore the rest of the films that are, that are coming out this month on the website. And um, thank you, Ty, for coming to join me to talk about sci-fi. I know you're a huge sci-fi fan. I am so indeed. I expect I'll be seeing you in the cinema on Sundays this month. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, thanks very much, and we'll see you when we're back to talk about June. <laughs>